Hello and welcome to Who Is She? A Bechdel Test Fest podcast. For each episode, my Bechdel partners in crime and I come together to spotlight a pioneering woman in film who we think should be on your radar. I'm your host, Beth Webb, film journalist and broadcaster and co-runner of the Bechtel Test Fest. I'm joined today by our founder, critic and broadcaster, Karina Antrobus, Steph Watts, film journalist, podcaster and lead creative, and Caitlin Quinlan, journalist, critic and our editorial head. Our subject today is Suzanne Lindon, whose directorial debut, Spring Blossom, is released across the UK today. Suzanne wrote the film when she was just 15 years old. She stars in it as well, and in the film she plays Suzanne, a 16-year-old who's become disenchanted with her own peer group and develops a relationship with an older actor that she meets outside a theatre. So today I'm coming to Caitlin. So Caitlin, if you could please tell us, Suzanne Lindon, who is she? Yeah, so Suzanne, uh, she's, you know, this film is her her debut feature and it's her debut acting performance. So she's not done too much before this, of course. Um, she's only 20 years old. So it's this real incredible feat um, to, yeah, to be making her directing debut. Um, and her film was selected for Cannes last year, which obviously didn't go ahead as planned, but um, Spring Blossom was supposed to be part of that festival. I guess, you know, she's probably most known as the daughter of uh, two fairly famous French actors, uh, Vincent Linden and Sandrine. Kibberlan and yeah just really excited to see what she does next I think after this film as a you know a really great starting point for her career. Thanks Caitlin. Now Caitlin had the pleasure of speaking with Suzanne for the podcast this week so we will go to that interview now and we will see you on the other side where we'll be talking a little bit more about Spring Blossom. So Suzanne, thank you so much for joining the Who Is She podcast this week. Um, We're here to talk about Spring Blossom. um, And I wanted to start by asking uh, how this story came about. Um, I read that you started writing it when you were 15 or so. Yeah, well, first, thank you very much for having me. I'm I'm very honored. And um, yes, actually, it's uh, it's kind of an an, like um, weird story because I I started to write the movie when I was 15 and I was in high school. And actually I think that I wrote it first because I wanted to play in it and because I wanted to be an actress, but I'm from an actor's family. I really wanted to feel legitimate to do it. And the way I found to find this uh, uh, legitimacy was to write something that I could play and was to be the, first one to give me the opportunity to do something like that, because um, this was a way for me to know that I would be chosen for the good reasons and uh, not for the family I'm, I'm from or, or anything like that, but just for my really strong desire to, um, to, to act. So um, I started to write something about myself and I really quickly discovered that I was living a complicated period in my life. Not that I didn't like that period. I, I, I really liked it because my teenage years were very cool. But you know, I think that being a teenager is not easy because uh, you discover who you are and you wanna be someone else and you're not at ease with yourself. And sometimes you're more interesting in your, and you're more interested, sorry, in your fantasies than in your real life. So. This is what I felt and I decided to start writing about these feelings. 
and slowly everything mixed up and it became the movie like my desire to act and the years I was living uh, this inspired me and it made me uh, write this story well and it became Spring Blossom very quickly. And did the script change at all as you were kind of growing up and, and as you were getting to the point of, of making the film or did it stay kind of the same as? Actually, it, it, it stayed kind of the same. In the first version, the dancing sequences were not here. And um, I added them in the second version, but there were only two versions. So, But this was the only thing that changed because I really wanted the story and, and my way to write the story to be very, very natural and very spontaneous. And uh, so I remember that I started to write the movie in a little notebook that I still have. And um, well, it was a sort of diary that I kept and I was talking about another young girl's life, which was not my life, but the life I was dreaming of and, um, and that I wanted to, to play in, in my film. So um, it was something very personal and I wanted to keep it that way. And uh, I had the chance to be with a very cool producer and a great team that respected very much my desire to do something that really looked like me. So when I talk about the film, I, I often say that it's a gesture, like uh, it's uh, it's something I really did, like uh, in the, in the, in the, like I, I wanted to be very free to express myself. And because of that, I didn't want to change the script that much. So it only changed twice. So I wanted to talk a bit about the, the kind of essence of the story, I guess, and something I really enjoyed about this film <clears throat> is the way that it kind of displays how light and fun youth can be and then how suddenly it, it can become so overwhelming and so, um, you know, so charged and so different. Um, what for you was it about, you know, that kind of that kind of story and also, I guess, coming of age stories in general that you think are, are so cinematic? Well, Actually, I think that coming of age films have always inspired me because uh, I was able to identify myself a lot in the characters of the movie because when I discovered all my favorite teenage movies, actually, it was, uh, I, I was a teenager, so it was very easy for me to, you know, identify myself. But, you know, the thing that was very interesting and important to me um, while I was writing the film was that I wanted to show and to tell a very pure story between a young girl and an older man. And I wanted to describe youth and, uh, and, and you know, adolescence um, without lying. And I think that sometimes and, and very often people are talking about teenage years after having, uh, well, after when they, when they're adults. So it's the memories they have on their youth. And I had the feeling that I had the opportunity to, to um, leave my youth while I was writing and talking about it. So I took it as a chance and I really wanted to be sincere in the story I was, I was telling. And actually, this was my first goal uh, when I started to direct the film. It was to really show the idea a teenager can have on this very particular age. And I think that, well, I don't know because I'm not a boy, but I think that being a 16 year old girl is something very complicated. And this is one of the 
lines that I really like in Virgin Suicides by Sofia Coppola. I think there is a moment in which um, there's the, the little sister who just tried to kill herself, who's uh, with her psychologist and she's talking and she said, oh, you, you don't know how hard this can be to be a 13 year old girl when, well, to me, it's very hard to be a 16 year old girl because uh, you have a lot of pressure, actually, pressure of high school, pressure of being okay in a group of people. And, you know, you have the pressure not to be too influenced by other, but also to fit in. So I remember that when I was young, I was a sort of misfit, but it was okay. Of course, I exaggerated the thing in, in the movie because I wanted it to be like, uh, you know, not, not a caricature, but something that can be uh, very powerful. But I think that it's a universal feeling not to be at ease with yourself when you're a teenager. So I really wanted to write about this and maybe that I've been inspired by other films or other stories, but I really wanted to show the, the, a teenager's point of view on what a teenager can be. Yeah, I also really love The Virgin Suicides. That's a great, a great reference point. Um, and you mentioned earlier the the kind of moments of, um, you know, the characters kind of break from reality and they fall into these dance sequences. Um, and I wanted to ask you how that idea sort of came, came about and into the script. Actually, it came after the story. I first wrote the story and then I needed something to be a little more spicy between them because it was, uh, you know, because the love story is platonic and because, well, actually nothing happens, but of course everything happens in in, in their minds and, and they feel the same, but I didn't want them to kiss or to make love because I really needed this love story to be very pure, very intense, but very modest and, and, and innocent. And, um, but I also needed them to, share a form of sensuality and, and a form of sexuality without being sexual. So I, um, I started to think about this and I talked about this with the producer and uh, um, very quickly I uh, noticed that in my life when I have a huge um, feeling on, or a huge emotion, my first reaction is to dance or to do something with my body, you know, to, to, to move me. And, um, and I've been very inspired by Pina Bosch, mm. uh, which is a German choreographer that I really love. And I started to watch a lot of her choreographies and it inspired me. And I decided that to create something very powerful and strong between them, something that could, you know, they, they share this, um, well, these dance, these dances, they share them and it, it belongs to them and, 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 and to nobody else. And so I wanted to create like their way of um, communicate. And this is how I had the idea of making them dance together. I also really enjoyed um, this kind of running motif in the film of the color red and of the color of the grenadine syrup and, um, you know, posters on the wall and things like that. Were there those kind of little motifs you wanted to uh, include in, in the film? Well, actually, when I was writing the film, it was also something that I wasn't very aware. Of course, I knew that the grenadine was red, that my, my sweater is red, my, uh, you know, I don't know, scrunchy. I don't know how yeah, to say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's red too. So, um, and the theater, actually, this is because the theater and everything is red. And because when you 
are thinking about theater and and uh, and the theater world, you think about this color. So I needed to put this color in her world to um, you know mix them together and to create something that that um, you know put them together even when they're not together physically. But um, but it was something that I really found on set actually. Well. I, I became aware of this on set when I was actually in front of all the red things that I had just in front of me and then I had to film. And, um, but I think that I'm a very um, maniac person and I'm very, uh, well, I'm, I can become very um, crazy with details and stuff. And, and I remember that all the things that are in the film were things that I really needed to film and they're, even like a bottle of water, I chose the bottle of water like for two hours before filming the bottle because I needed to know that the bottle was the most important bottle of my life. So, you know, it's um, all the details in, in, in the movie had like a, a very powerful sense for me. And, uh, and, it, and when I see the movie, it's, it's, it's still the case, so. And looking forward, I guess now and ahead to to your next work, what uh, what lessons do you think you're going to take with you from this film um, into your next films? Well, I don't know because you know now, like right now, I'm very scared because the movie is going to be released here in England and then in France and then all over the world and and you know with Cannes and all the festivals and stuff, it became like huge and I didn't expect anything like that. So. I just sometimes I'm going to bed and when I'm alone and when I have time to think, I'm just like, okay, maybe I didn't do this on purpose and maybe I had like the biggest like chance of my life, but I will never be able to do something else in my life. And maybe it wasn't me who did that. And uh, I, I become crazy. So I don't know. I just, I just know that the most important listen, listen that I, uh, that I can have now is that when I'm writing something, when you want to film something, when you want to give something from you, you have to be very honest, very sincere, and you have to, you know, talk about something which is very necessary for you because it it's too much actually. When you're making a film, you you think about this when you sleep, when you eat, when you drink, when you run, when you dance, when you take your shower. You it's it becomes everything in your life it's just like well it's weird because I've never been pregnant but I'm sure that it's kind of the same feeling and um so I know that when I will direct something else I think that I will have to be very sure that what I want to show film and write is necessary for me so that's great. I think we're all really looking forward to seeing what you do next. Um, and just to just to wrap up, um, something we like to ask our guests um, is if they can share with our listeners um, a woman director who's working today that you really admire um, and also a woman led film that you'd recommend um, us all to watch. Well, actually, um, women directors, I think, well, I've always been um, crazy about Sofia Coppola and stuff because it reminds me a lot of um, of things that I really liked when I was a teenager. But in, in France, I'm a huge fan of Valeria Bruni-Tedeschi. I don't know if you know her, but she's incredible and, and her films are very, very, very beautiful. And um, and it's very, you know, autobiographical and she's talking about her family 
for lovers, everything. And, and it's very, um, it's very personal. And I think that she's not making women films. She's making films that just look like her. And she's so honest that it's very, very, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very powerful. And I really like her. And, um, and I also really love Greta Gerwig. And I'm, uh, well, I heard that she's making another movie and, and it's on uh, like Barbie's life. <laughs> so I can't see it. And um, when I when I'm thinking about women and, and, and movies, of course, I'm thinking about Agnès Varda, mm. because to me, she's just the perfect incarnation of, of uh, strength and and poetry and everything. So everything she everything she did was very, very beautiful. So. And that was Suzanne Forrest. Uh, so, Steph, if I come to you first of all, now Suzanne, as we mentioned, wrote the script when she was just 15 years old. What do you think that this lends to the experience of watching this coming of age romance? I think apart from making all of us feel old and unaccomplished, uh, <laughs> like coming of age films are so interesting anyway and I feel like we're all a little bit obsessed with them and I think kind of the um, the thing that she was saying in the interview about kind of like writing about that from her perspective like at that time compared to um, somebody who's writing a coming of age film with kind of hindsight and like trying to kind of recapture that feeling of being like a 16 year old girl trying to navigate the world and like feeling uncomfortable with others feeling uncomfortable like in your own body that's like something really unique about this film where she has been kind of writing it as she's experiencing that and yeah it's a really yeah because I think sometimes you do get that that kind of voice in coming away films written by older people where it's it's kind of trying to tell you this is wrong or this is right and like with that kind of um, more adult perspective but this seems so kind of like free and pure and like there are kind of more like naive moments maybe but that is what comes with writing at such a young age at the same time that you are like going through that experience which is disorientating and confusing in itself you can kind of see it in those like that lovely scene where she just like bursts into dance suddenly like on her own and she's like walking down the street and she just starts like doing this like lovely little dance i think it's something that kind of comes through in a lot of like really young filmmakers like for better for worse like xavier dolan using wonderwall in mummy and stuff like that where it's just like you're so like new to the world and it's like just that kind of bodily like reaction that just like has to come out and that's what comes out in the film without um any anything like tainting it through like life experiences um yeah i just i really like that scene i found it so so like joyful and pure and lovely kind of agreeing with everything you're saying in that when you have a more a big a wider gulf of time to look back with very rose-tinted glasses or just an out of touch approach to your teenage years i think it's so interesting to have somebody literally reveling pretty much still in it i mean obviously she's not a teenager now she's a woman but um there is that 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 fresh it's 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 tangible to be able to just dip back into 
in the grand scheme of things yesterday as opposed to a whole lifetime ago and i think that really comes through in the, in in how raw and fresh and overwhelming it all is it's beautiful in that respect yeah i completely completely agree i think it's a kind of like naivety that you could look really cynically on and you could say oh that's really cheesy and that's really uncinematic and that's you know that's not you know that doesn't have the kind of maturity of a, of an older filmmaker but but actually that's what works so well is this like complete you know like you know free abandon and this just acting with on you know on pure emotion and, and feeling and and without as Steph said without those kinds of constraints of of you know uh, yeah a more cynical um <laughs> cynical life view or something it, I think it works really really well now we've touched on teenage romance in in particular but also what do you think that this film says about the teenage experience I do I do find it really interesting though that like there is that element to her character where she's like I'm bored with the people my age I'm bored with everything I'm you know I'm bored with school and and she's you know it's something that I definitely felt when I was younger was like this this eagerness to be to be older than I was and to reach a level of you know adulthood before kind of my time because I did feel that sort of like disconnection to my own age group and things like that and you know your your parents will always say to you like don't wish your life away because you've got all these things to come and what I think this film does really well is show the balance of like her kind of youthful energy that is is fighting against that dynamic of wanting to be older you know I love the fact that uh, I was we were talking about it in the interview about the the things that are colored red in the film and a lot of them are these like symbols of youth as well you know she mentioned that they were linked to the theater but they're also these symbols of youth you know the scrunchie in her hair is kind of childlike and the, the sort of grenadine syrup that she drinks is um, you know has a childlike quality to it as well and that kind of dynamic of the two kind of attitudes clashing I think is handled really well um, and it also it also works really interestingly you know I think something about this film and something that's quite I don't know topical in in French cinema and French society is these questions around older relationships and, and age gaps and things like that and you know one of the you know we're talking about the dance sequences and the the movement and one of the ways she kind of gets around there being some slightly, I don't know, more controversial elements to the film are by not including, um, you know, anything explicitly, you know, physical. Um, and yeah, I just think that also really represents that 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 clash of like youth and wanting to be older as well, really well. You know, she she reverts to this kind of very um, physical you know, primal expression that's not sexual in any way. Um, and yeah, I think the clashing of those two worlds is just really interesting and and does depict a teenagehood that I definitely felt, um, <laughs> yeah, could relate to. I think, yeah, that, that line when she's at the party as well and she's like, I find beer boring. Yeah, it's really funny, isn't it? Because I feel like it's, we've probably all said or like done or thought something like similar to something that, that like some of the teens do in the film and like at the time it feels like this real kind of you're like discovering who you are as an individual you're kind of like trying to work out who you are in the midst of like all your other friends and I think kind of coming to that point where it's like you don't have to socialize with just the people that you like see every day because you go to school with them and like maybe you're different from those people and like yeah when you're at that kind of precipice of like who yeah like am I gonna end up seeing these people like after school and stuff like that and like finding out that your own interests are different from the people that you've been socializing with and 
yeah, it's kind of, I guess like some of those scenes seem like funny because you have your own like experiences of dealing with those types of behaviours like in yourself and others at that age um and it's quite yeah I think it gets to that that kind of yeah that kind of behaviour at that time yeah I think you've nailed what a coming of age movie is almost is that the moment you realise that you don't have to stay with the rhythms of the stereotypical idea of what teenagehood is and you don't have to drink beer and you don't have to go to parties and listen to Justin Bieber or whatever it is that teenagers listen to nowadays because I'm too old to understand but (laughs) but um you know but um yeah and and when you're ultimately discovering what you like and not what you're being told you like and that's oh I mean yeah I I love those those that party scene those party scenes are just brilliant and she just looks so awkward and out of place and I just remember that so well I do remember that (laughs) that part I remember just being like oh what why am I listening to this and I don't like hooch or whatever it is we were drinking And that concludes our Suzanne Lindon episode of Who Is She? Thank you so much for listening. Spring Blossom is available to watch this Friday from Curzon Home Cinema and there are plans for a theatrical release when cinemas do open up on the 17th of May. And we'll be announcing our next episode on social media in due course, so please bear with us. Who is she? A Bechdel Test First podcast is a Bechdel Test First production. It was hosted by myself, Beth Webb, and produced by Steph Watts, with additional help from Karina Antrobus and Caitlin Quinlan. Our music was written, performed, and produced by Zoe Mead. Check out her band, Wildest, on all major streaming platforms. Like our podcast? Please subscribe and say nice things about us on our Apple Podcasts page.